Welcome, change agents. I'm so glad you're here. This is Cheryl Klein, and you're listening to the Limitless Leader Podcast. Hi there, Cheryl here. Today is such a special day. I am so excited to be here with Shane Woods, the new, it's still pretty new, uh, executive director at Girls Start. Shane, thank you so much for taking time out of your incredibly busy schedule. It is truly my pleasure. I am so excited to have this conversation about this very, very important topic. But before we jump in, I thought I'd ask a little bit about you. And was there ever, you know, someone or something that propelled you to greatness to where you are today? Or what is your story? Yes, I have um, an amazing story that helped me understand the importance of um, having someone advocate for you, but also giving space for you to advocate for yourself. So I remember it's fondly in terms of I was in sixth grade um, in Sherman, Texas, after uh, it's north, it's north Texas, north of Dallas, if anyone even knows where Sherman, Texas is, um, home of Austin College. Um, and it's one of those places where everyone knows everyone. And I had the honor of having a grandfather who was our neighboring uh, city, also known as Arrival, uh, he was the head football coach, but more importantly, he was also the woodshop teacher, um, which if you kind of think of how we think of STEM now was the original STEM, if you will, in terms of applying that science, technology, engineering, and math in a unique way to build um, and utilize tools to, to craft solutions for every day. And so it's one of those things that I remember being in sixth grade and I was in math and science class across from this hallway that at the top of the, the classrooms, when you walk down the hallway, you could see windows and that's where teachers would display student work. And so I would look at, across the hallway and they were always doing these amazing projects. These like, for instance, you know, just being able to, to, to see that they were discovering, um, you know, the magic of physical science and life science. And one time I looked up and I saw um, skeletons and then I saw them attaching like muscles and the arteries and things like that. And it was one of those things that really made me think, hmm, why, why aren't we doing anything that I ever see in those classrooms? And so one day I decided I was going to ask my teacher. So I walk up and I was like, just kind of curious when we'll start building those those bodies that I'm seeing across the hallway. And she kind of just looks at me and goes, we don't do that in this class. And, you know, I was like, I don't, I didn't quite understand what that meant. I was like, are we not doing it now? And we'll do it like in another month. And so she was like, no, in this class, we do what we're capable of doing. Those kids are identified as gifted and talented. So they have a different curriculum. And so having moved there, I was like, I didn't know what gifted and talented was. Um, I was like, well, how do I get in there? And she's like, well, you can't. They were tested in kindergarten. And so you're now on the track that you're on. That didn't sit well with me because I was like, that, that just seemed very odd that they got a chance to do something that all of us should be able to do. All of us should be able to know what the parts of the body are. All of us should be able to build these amazing dioramas of the cell and all these other things that I had seen. And so I, I let the day go and got on my bus and I got dropped off at my grandfather's house um, and he could tell that something was wrong because I must have had a face. And he's like, what's wrong? And I was like, I don't think my teacher thinks I'm smart and I got to fix that. And I think I need to be in the class across the hallway because they're doing things that I know I can do. And we're just doing worksheets every day. And I finish them early and I just read my books. And so I love the fact that he decided 
that it was it was important enough for him to make an appointment for me to meet with the, the school counselor. And so a couple of weeks later, we got a chance to go to the school counselor. Um, I dressed up um, and he was in his wonderfully sharp um, Sunday suit. And we're sitting in the front waiting on the counselor. And my friends are like, are you OK? Are you in trouble? I was like, I'm good. No problem. No worries. Um, so I loved knowing that I had friends that cared. But when we got a chance to go in there with the counselor, she was like, so what brings you here? And my grandfather said, my granddaughter thinks that she's capable of doing some things in another class. Um, and she feels that it's just not quite fortunate that she's able to, that she can't do that. And so he's like, but it's her story to tell. And at that moment, he's like, he looked at me, he said, this is your time, explain what you need. And then you get what you need from this meeting. And so by the end of that meeting, I learned about course selection sheets and that I would have to wait until my seventh grade year. But with seventh and eighth grade, you could just pick classes. There wasn't like a gatekeeping of you could only have been this type of student prior to getting into these honors classes. And so from seventh grade on, I was in all honors or AP or, um, you know, those GT classes that I didn't think that I was capable of entering because my teacher had said no. Um, and so from there on, I've always had a chance to shine and show my brilliance and, and, and really enjoy the passion of science and, and STEM that I, I wouldn't have had that had I not had a, an adult advocate for me to know how to, to make way when there is no way and for me to also not quit. And so it's one of those things that I always look back on my grandfather as helping me make that, that pivotal direction in my life. Um, that I, I knew that I could do, but it was also knowing that I needed to navigate that adult world with a strong adult next to me. Yeah, I think that story is so important for so many reasons, because your grandfather could have said, oh, don't be silly, just do your work. Mm -hmm. Or he could have said, he could have said a bunch of different things. And also that, you know, you and you mentioned the, the importance of something that he did, too, that was pivotal. And that is having you speak up for yourself. And I think he was probably without even having formal training on how to be a sponsor. He was an amazing sponsor. Yes. So that's really great. And so so off you go. You're an amazing student. And, you know, you started probably to ascend and think about your career and move through. So was there ever anything, you know, between then and where you are today that maybe things went sideways, someone said no, um, or you stumbled a little bit? Can you tell us about that? And then also what was your, you know, how did you recover? Of course. Um, it's one of those things that I had a chance to be a seventh grade science teacher for several years. Um, and something that I always would tell my students is that it's always important to learn what you don't like to do as much as you want, knowing what you want to be able to do and what you want to be when you grow up. Um, and something that I, I now can look back and say, I'm now on my seventh job. By no means when I was 18 did I think I would have seven different jobs um, and actually landing in one that has kind of nothing to do with my degree from college. Um, having gone to Xavier University of Louisiana, um, I graduated with a biology and chemistry degree. And so I thought I went to medical school for two years and realized that wasn't the life that I wanted. And so entered teaching. Um, and while I was in uh, Fort Worth ISD for almost 18 years, I had a chance to go from that classroom teacher to a lead teacher to um, 
dean of instruction, all the way to K-12 science director. And when I had a chance to lead an entire district in an urban school district, um, it was it was amazing. It was able to guide the curriculum and assessment and professional learning for teachers, um, building new schools and having input on what does it mean to have a science room in an elementary, um, having all that um, control, if you will, over the minds of 88,000 students and teachers um, in that at organization was amazing. Um, and so in my seventh year, my, my world was completely rocked. Um, I got a demotion. I got, um, you know, a divorce. I was filing for bankruptcy. So it's one of those things that none of that is something that I would have planned at, you know, 38 years old of thinking, how do I build myself back from this? I, you know, being demoted, you never think that that's ever going to happen. And it wasn't necessarily because of my performance. It was because of a woman not being an ally and not wanting competition and to be challenged. And so I took that opportunity to become a middle school administrator and learned that I love kids, but also I learned how to run an entire building and the other side of administration. I'd known it from the district level, but now to know it at building level really did teach me some things that I never had that that's foresight of and didn't understand what it meant when we said from the district, we need you to do this for your teachers. We need this implemented by next week. We need this information back. It doesn't operate that way. And to be on that other side really gave me um, empathy for the teachers and the principals and understanding that being an assistant principal is one of the hardest jobs I ever had. I do not ever want to do that again, but I learned so much. And had I not had those disappointments, I wouldn't have been ready to take on being a senior director for Girl Scouts of Northeast Texas for three years. I would not have been able to then take all that learning from Girl Scouts to become an executive director of my own nonprofit that focuses on K-12 uh, girls and, and making sure that they see the promise that STEM can give them if they just get, take a chance on themselves and build that STEM identity. So it's one of those things that I never, ever would have thought that I would have had that's part of my story. That'd be a chapter um, of life, truly just lifing, if you will. But what I learned is that I there's always a day one. And so I can choose the day one to make it better, to change that story. And it really comes from my dad telling me one day I went to go visit him. He was like, you don't have to look like what you're going through. And it hit me. I was like, he's right. Like, yeah, some, some harsh words. Um, but he was right. Like, I don't have to be sad. I don't have to be a, a victim of my circumstances. I, I can navigate my, my, my world in a way that makes me feel right. I was that sixth grade girl that said, this is what I can do. I'm smart and I'm capable. What happened at 38? I forgot that. So now I can look back and tell that sixth grade girl, girl, you were right. You're kicking butt now. And it's almost like that sixth grade girl was almost giving you advice at 38. Mm -hmm. um, and like, hey, did you forget? Uh, <laughs> and I love what you said for so many different reasons and that choose your day one, which I think is probably a hashtag that you should really start because it's a really great reminder. But, and it seems like too, when, when we, and I think most people have experienced something unpleasant mm -hmm. you know, in a career or in a breakup or, or otherwise. And it seems like your experience in hindsight is that like, I honor what happened because we, I sometimes call it a cosmic redirection. 
but sometimes we are so um, wrapped up in the emotion and the hurt and how negative this thing is in our life. We don't see a way out and we don't choose our day one. We stay stuck in day zero. Yeah. Um, you know, when that happened. And so I love that you, you know, brought that up, probably had at least a little bit of time to honor the disappointment and the pain and like all the things around that. But then you're, I mean, I think that's really the definition of being resilient. So for anyone watching, if you're in the middle of something that feels painful and unfair and not right and all of those things, you know, um, maybe follow Shane's lead and thinking about choosing your day one to start moving forward. I love that so much. And so when it comes to turn, you know, let me roll back a little bit. It seems like our pipeline of female leaders in technology and other verticals of business is going in the wrong direction. And I've had so many conversations, especially about women and girls in tech, like where do we start? Mm-hmm. And it's one thing about you know, helping emerging leaders and keeping them on track into being senior leaders. But what about, you know, our girls and filling the pipeline with girls um, who honestly women seem like, you know, there's been some progress that's been made, but women are still um, the marginalized group in technology. And then there's you know, um, especially women who are further marginalized within our group. So, you know, based on your experience, I'm really excited to hear how do we successfully, you know, fill the pipeline for, you know, having a diverse tech pipeline, but then also nurturing that pipeline so they can enter into leadership roles. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on how to start and when to start. Oh, of course. Having taught seventh and eighth grade science for five years, um, it's it's unfortunate to say that by that age, they're, it's hard. It's hard to get them interested in things because they've already lived six to seven years of being told that they're not good at math or hearing their parents say, that's not the thing that I think you should do. Um, girls don't do coding. The girls don't do robotics, you know. And this is even coming from parents that are in these positions saying, that's not for you. You're more of a, you know, into poetry and all of these things. And it's all of these things that girls hear that starts telling them that maybe STEM isn't for me, Um, or maybe going into medicine or owning my own mechanic shop is not what a girl does. And so luckily over the past few years, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion, um, a lot of our students being able to see what it means to advocate for themselves, mental health, um, mental safety. And it's one of those things that is, it's becoming more common for people to talk about, let's stop putting gender roles and gender identity on things and just let, let allow kids to be curious. They, they come to us very curious and trying to figure out the world. And it's us adults who start shutting that down and closing doors and labeling. And so what I love about Girl Start is we start in elementary, which is really about allowing girls to see that STEM really is something that they can be amazing at. 
Um, we make it attractive to their eyes. We make sure that it's attractive to their spirit and, and what that they want to learn about by being in groups of their peers. Um, so that way they get a chance to explore together. They get a chance to see amazing guest speakers who are already in these roles, um, who look like them, who sound like them, who come from very similar backgrounds and neighborhoods and cities. Um, so that way they know it is possible and that they care that an adult cares that they get there, as well as our STEM crew, typically our high school and college aged um, youth that are, are the ones doing the programming after school for our um, girl start youth in fourth and fifth grade. So they get a near peer, if you will, that is showing them that this is what I'm doing in high school, or they're having conversations about what they're doing in college that is relevant to what they're learning. And each of our lessons allows the girls to also have a career connection immediately. And they see a woman in that journal that is doing a job that's related to whatever they're doing. So if they're learning how about water and pollution, then there's an environmental scientist that looks like a woman that or that looks like them um, showing up in the world as a woman. And so they get a chance to have that immediate exposure and a connection to see that this is what is possible if I take these more advanced classes in middle school. And I'm confident that I can do that because I'm enjoying what I'm doing after school in the after school club. Or they're coming to our summer camps and getting a deeper dive for five days and learning even more. And yet again, having more guest speakers come in and show them that this is the kind of career we have. It doesn't always look like an office building. It doesn't always look like a classroom. Sometimes we're outside, you know, collecting samples. Sometimes I'm in front of the, you know, governors and, and senators, you know, advocating for change and environmental social justice. So it's one of those things of making it really real is what the girls need. But we also have learned that unfortunately in middle school, girls start believing in this perfectionism. So they start opting out of things that may challenge them or may become a blemish on their school record um, because they need to be the top. They, they get that other pressure of like, the only way I'm going to break through in STEM or be able to take on electrical engineering is if I have all the top grades and I cannot take any classes that would look bad or that I might not pass. And so also knocking that down of like, it's okay to try something and not do well at it as long as you learn from it. It's okay to take a challenging course or to go into mechanics and see if that's what you like. Um, because it doesn't, and to not think that just because you're the only girl there, that it's not for you, that it is always a first somewhere. And if it's you, then we want to make sure we've equipped you with that mental talk to say, I can do this. I can be strong. I can take on this challenge because there's a, a community of women and those showing up as women um, that believe in you. And so it's one of those things that when it comes to tech, it even gets smaller in terms of not only women, but like you said, those that have you know, been historically marginalized, it's even smaller. But also it's the, the value of being able to have them give back as volunteers, have them come back and show up during our Girl in STEM conference to show this is the link of what you're doing in fourth and eighth grade to what I'm doing now in a career. And then I hope that you apply in a few years when you finish your, your degree or your certification. So it really is making sure that it's a whole life cycle in Girl Start, that we start with the girls in elementary, we feed their souls in middle school, we bring them back as STEM crew to provide the training and the lessons, as well as then when they go on to these amazing careers, they come back as volunteers and ambassadors and hopefully serve on boards and committees to help us grow our story and our mission so that way we can get more girls who didn't know STEM was for them into these careers. 
Wow, that sounds like like a generational approach, really, and it sounds really powerful. Is there anything that companies could do to, you know, foster this within their organization? Most definitely. I get a chance to um, operate not only in Texas and North Texas, Houston, as well as Central Texas, where we were founded. Um, in these 25 years that Girl Start has been um, in creation, it's also in California and Massachusetts now. And so those who are have those um, employee resource groups are those who really do see the disparity of not having enough women at the table. And then if they even look more intersectionality of women of color, um, it's one of those things of what are you going to do about it? So guess what? You need to look towards those nonprofits who are assisting our teachers who are overloaded during the school day. And we're providing that additional assistance out of the school day to give these girls these amazing anchoring experiences to say, hey, how? what do you need? Um, and to be honest, Girl Start needs people's time. We need you to be able to come out to for short-term volunteers. It could be a day um, if you want to commit to being a guest speaker, we would love to have that, but also um, their talent. Um, when it comes to how we operate, nonprofits typically are small, and I have a small but mighty team of 18 people um, that are full-time, and we need people who are experts in HR, experts in law, experts in marketing and communication, experts in getting technology um, and procurement. Um, so it's one of those things of being able to lend your expertise to us, we also need, um, as well as being ambassadors. So the talking us up and letting other people know in communities who have girls who are furthest from opportunity, who do not have well-funded schools, who do not get a chance to see the diversity of careers that are possible to say, hey, I know of a girl start and I think we need to bring them to this community and being our ambassador. And then, of course, finally, our the treasure. Um, so what it, we try and offer free program to all of our girls. We do not want that to be a barrier. We offer programming at the school. So yet again, transportation is not a barrier. But we can do we can only do that through friends. And so that's through sponsoring individual girls during send the girls to camp. Um, sponsoring the entire camp, which is like about 25,000 or, or after school clubs, as well as larger gifts. We get amazing gifts from uh, friends that are 25,000 up to 500,000. I would love to have a $1 million gift. Um, so it's one of those things that that way we can continue to provide our programming across the nation at no cost to the girls. So yet again, we are removing the barriers and we are pro providing access to everyone who needs us. That's so amazing. Well, I'm here in California. I look forward to, so I'll raise my hand if you're watching, then we would love to have you participate either, you know, monetarily or with your time. And I look forward to following up on that conversation with you, Shane, offline, because I really love what you and the organization are doing. Um, and, and so for, for our listeners, is there a call to action and something specific that you either want people to remember or to go do that's really going to help to fill um, our pipeline with youth and, you know, our future female leaders in tech or that will help Girl Start? Yes. If they're not sure where to start, definitely reach out to Girl Start and our website is www.girlstart.org. Um, and, and, we can provide you with amazing ways to volunteer. Um, you can always donate as well as if you're looking for what, what's in your area. I get a chance to work with amazing networks across the nation that are doing very similar work. Yes, we focus mostly on elementary, 
but there are amazing groups that are doing work in middle and high school and even college aged women that are STEM focused. And so if that is what speaks to you, please reach out to me um, because it, it really does take kids seeing others to do this. You've heard the see it, be it either from Lida Hill or the Gina Davis Institute, in terms of girls really do have to see someone doing it to know that they can be it. Um, it takes, a, it truly takes them making that connection um, as well as understanding the change that that person is making in the world. Girls very are very interested in knowing how is what you do impacting your ecosystem, your neighborhood, your state, the world that they are living in. And so it really does matter that we get volunteers, that we get your time and your treasure in order to make sure that these girls are amazing and brilliant and, and capable of leading our, our nation into greatness. Yes, that is so true. So if you haven't seen it already, look down below, uh, scrolling down there, www.girlstart.org. Look and see how you and your company can get involved. Shane Woods, thank you so much for your time. I look forward to following your journey and to getting involved with Girl Start. Thank you. If you've enjoyed this episode, follow or subscribe to the Limitless Leader podcast with Cheryl Klein on whatever podcast platform you use. We'll let you know every time we release a new episode. And if you really enjoyed what you've heard so far, rate and review us too. That's one of the best ways that you can support us and make sure that this podcast keeps going. And also I offer a significant library of free mental toughness and high performance videos, worksheets, tips, and other helpful content on my website at www.cherylkline.com. Thanks for listening. I'm Cheryl Klein. And I look forward to having you back next time. And remember, you're only limited by what you think is possible. Cheering you on always.